Today, I'm going to challenge your view on the role of dividends. Although often underappreciated, dividends always matter over longer periods. Not all dividends are equal, as dividend growers will be high yielders over the long term. Where dividends go, share prices follow, not the reverse. And lastly, long-term sustainable dividend growth, which I view as a proxy for underlying business growth, provides strong downside protection. One of the most important decisions taken around the boardroom table is the annual dividend declaration. This is where the board links past success with optimism for the future. Reinvestment is crucial in growing a business, but reinvesting too much can lead to suboptimal capital allocation. Paying dividends provides rewards for shareholders, but paying out too much can act upon long-term business growth. Dividend payments should instill a capital discipline driving competition for capital. Having a consistent, sustainable dividend pay ratio and dividend growth that's reflective of the underlying business are key. Numerous studies highlight the importance of dividend yield and dividend growth in driving long-term equity returns. The MSCI study in 2016 showed that over a 20-year period, dividend growth and dividend yield are the dominant sources of long-term equity returns, driving over 90% of total return, with dividend growth being by far the biggest factor. Despite the constant noise of short-term valuation, ultimately its importance recedes over time. It is the direction of dividends that drive share prices. There are many dividend policy groups, including dividend payers, dividend non-payers, and dividend cutters. However, sustainable dividend growth companies appear to play defense well, as this cohort provides the best total return with lowest volatility over long periods of time. These businesses can be characterized as having consistent pay ratios that allow for sufficient reinvestment in the business to drive long-term growth and therefore shareholder returns. Trying to get the Goldilocks pay ratio is key. Therefore, my proposition is that sustainable dividend growth outperforms over the long term. I'm now going to take you through each of these points in more detail. So let's start by looking at whether dividends do always matter. There are two schools of thought. Miller and Mogliani published a paper in 1961 which claimed that dividends were irrelevant. And this became known as the dividend irrelevance theory. They believe that companies' dividend payments don't add value to a company's stock price and argue that paying a dividend is harmful to a company, believing that the money would be better off invested in the business itself. On the other side of the debate, academics such as Myron J. Gordon, renowned for the Gordon Growth Dividend Model, and James E. Walter, who believe that dividends are indeed important and are positive for share prices. They argue that current cash dividends are less risky than future capital gains. Therefore, investors prefer those firms which pay regular dividends. I would argue that neither theory is wrong. One of the most important decisions taken around the boardroom table is the annual dividend declaration. This is where the board link past success with messaging their optimism for the future. Companies must decide whether to reinvest their profits to grow the business or return it to shareholders through a dividend. I suggest they do both. But firstly, what do I mean by reinvestment? This is where the company reinvests the profits is generated back into the business. This reinvestment can be grouped into three general buckets. 
mergers and acquisitions, which is investing in today, CapEx, investing capacity for tomorrow, and research and development, investing in the day after tomorrow. If you look at the MSCI World Index today, on average, companies across the globe invest 6 to 7% of sales in CapEx and 2% of sales in research and development every year. Companies that spend more than average on CapEx and R&D have a better chance of delivering sustainable sales, profits, and ultimately dividend growth. I always encourage companies to invest in R&D. Designing and building new products which customers want to buy gives a company some degree of pricing power and the potential for higher margins. So why do companies pay dividends? Companies pay dividends to reward shareholders. And according to Walter and Gordon, investors are more willing to invest in companies that pay annual dividends. More and more retirees are relying on dividend income to beat inflation. Dividends are clearly the crystallization of underlying business performance and the management of the pay ratio allows them to be less volatile than earnings. I view the dividend as a covenant between the board and its shareholders that should only be broken in extremis. So let's take a seat around the boardroom table and unpack the dividend decision. As previously mentioned, this is where the board link the past success of the company with optimism for the future. If the board followed Miller or Mogliani, they would not pay a dividend and retain 100% of the profits to be reinvested in the business. The board followed Gordon and Walter, they pay a proportion of profits to pay dividends to reward shareholders. Is it really possible for a company to fully reinvest its profits every year? The danger is the board engage in suboptimal capital allocation, also known as vanity projects, and squander the reinvestment capital. Alphabet, better known to you and me as Google, would be a good example of a company that retains 100% of its profits every year, but perhaps historically has been lacking in financial discipline regarding new investments. Its other best division, which is a series of investments in loss-making startups, such as driverless cars, and using artificial intelligence in healthcare, earns annual revenue of around $750 million, but generated losses of around $5 billion every year. The finance director has now installed better discipline into this division, reducing the number of bets, and being much more focused on costs and ultimately profitability. There's an argument that some of this capital would be better returned to shareholders through paying a dividend. The key number the board should be focusing on is the pay ratio and getting the balance between reinvestment and reward. Paying it too much or having too high pay ratio today may be great for today's dividends, but it's unlikely to be great for the dividends of tomorrow. Dividend payments should install a capital plus discipline driving competition for capital. Having a consistent, sustainable dividend pay ratio and dividend growth that's reflective of underlying business today are key. So, other than rewarding shareholders, why are dividends important? It is because where dividends go, share prices follow and not the reverse. Numerous studies have shown that dividend growth and dividend yield are important in driving long-term equity returns. The MSCI study of 2016, conducted on behalf of the Norwegian Ministry of Finance, looked at the key drivers of equity returns over one, 10, and 20 years. Over one year, valuation is an important driver of equity returns. However, as investment horizon increases, the fundamentals, 
namely dividend yield and dividend growth, become the dominant source of performance, explaining more than 90% of total equity returns over 20 years, with dividend growth being the most important factor, accounting for 64% of total return. So, despite the constant noise of short-term valuation, ultimately, its importance recedes over time. For a short-term investor, dividend growth strategy will not work. Short-term investors who try to time markets are trading the valuation piece. However, be under no illusion, these short-term traders are playing with fire. Ned Davis, the investment research house, has conducted a study looking at the cohorts of dividend behavior over a 23-year period from 1998 to 2021. What the study highlights is the five-year growers, which are companies that have grown their dividends every year for at least five years, were not only the best performers in terms of annualized percentage total return, but also had the lowest standard deviation of monthly returns and therefore the highest short ratio, which measures the risk achieved per unit, the return achieved per unit of risk taken. Given Miller and Mogliani's work regarding not paying dividends and reinvesting 100% of profits in the business, it's noteworthy that companies that either paid or grew dividends were the best performing groups, outperforming the MSCI world. Non-payers were the second poorest performing group. So perhaps Walter and Gordon were right and paying a dividend does impact the share price. It's also noteworthy that companies that cut dividends were the worst performing group. Cutting a dividend is a very difficult call for the board to make, as they don't want to break that covenant with shareholders. It can be the right thing to do to preserve capital for the long term. However, on average, it's not good for equity returns. Let's look at some company examples. This chart plots five companies by their payout ratio and dividend yield and shows five-year total returns. The stocks are Meta Platforms, formerly known as Facebook, Visa, the credit and debit card payments processor, Home Depot, the largest home improvement retailer in the United States, Unilever, the consumer good company best known for selling Magnum ice cream and Hellman's mayonnaise, and ExxonMobil, the multinational oil and gas company. So what are the key points? If we first look at the basket of dividend paying stocks, as mentioned already, the dividend pay ratio is key. Visa and Home Depot have much lower pay ratios enabling them to continue to reinvest in the business, helping to generate superior revenue, profit, and dividend growth, and therefore share price returns. Both Exxon and Unilever have very high dividend yields and high pay ratios, which doesn't allow for much reinvestment in the business to help drive growth. Following Miller and Mogliani's work, we need perhaps a better strategy for Exxon. They should have been reinvesting more of its profits into renewables over the last 20 years and giving the profits back to shareholders. Also, these high payout ratios don't give much protection if things go wrong in the business and lead to a dividend cut, which as Ned Davis' work showed will lead to poor share price performance against the index. Whilst Home Depot and Visa have a lower dividend yield than both Exxon and Unilever, the much faster dividend growth means it will take less than 10 years for the total income received for either stock to exceed the income received from either Exxon or Unilever. Over 25 years, the income received will almost be five times as much. That just relates to income. 
Think about the impact of the retained profit that's been reinvested for growth at both Visa and Home Depot. For these dividend-paying stocks, it's noteworthy that annualized percentage total return is very similar to the annualized dividend growth rate. This ties in with the MSCI study and does indeed prove that where dividends go, share prices follow. Meta Platforms has not paid a dividend and has been reinvesting its profits back into the business, so it is following the Miller-Mogliani playbook. The shares have done well over the five-year period, but over the last six months have performed poorly as it started to invest to transform itself into play on the metaverse, which is all about virtual reality. Based on recent share price performance, it does look like the metaverse has crashed. The debate is whether this investment will get a return or whether this money would have been better invested in making its original platform safer for users or actually paid to shareholders as a dividend. So where's the sweet spot on this chart? It's the companies in between the 20% and 50% payout. At either end of the spectrum, there are risks, which is why I believe neither Miller and Mogliani nor Walter and Gordon were both completely right. You can also do the same analysis plotting dividend yield and payout ratios for the various geographies that make up the MSCI World Index. It is a good way to show diversification of equity strategies. I'm sure the audience will be drawn to the Australian Index on the top right-hand side of the charts. It is a big outlier. A dividend yield of around 4.5%, but a very high payout ratio of around 80%, which reflects the makeup of the Australian market with its bias towards banks and resources. You won't be surprised to learn that the Australian market has grown its dividend at a much slower rate than all geographies on this chart over the last five years. For asset allocators in the audience, this is also a good way, good way to map your managers, sectors, stocks to get your blend of expected returns right. So, in conclusion, a reminder of the proposition. Although often underappreciated in the shorter term, dividends certainly matter over longer periods. Not all dividends are equal. Growers will beat high yielders over the long term. Where dividends go, share prices follow and not the reverse. Long-term sustainable dividend growth provides strong downside protection. And this allows me to conclude that sustainable dividend growth outperforms over the long term. So I have one other less well-known economist called Harry Callahan that I want to refer to. And this was a point to Miller, Gordon et al. You've got to ask yourself one question. Going to pay more attention to your pay rate ratio, punk, 